to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. We want to continue looking together at <coughs> this <coughs> portion of <coughs> Scripture that we began looking at last Lord's Day morning. Um, hear now the word of the living God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have made us a blessed people by joining us to your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are our good shepherd, Lord Jesus, and you lead us and guide us in your paths. We thank you that you reign on high. And we rejoice that we can trust and obey you. We thank you for these graces that we see uh, delineated for us in this portion of Scripture. And we pray that not only would you uh, bless us to uh, understand these aspects of being your people, but you would grow us up in you. O Lord, encourage us and strengthen us. You have made precious and magnificent promises to us. And so, Lord, encourage our hearts this night, and it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, God calls us to be men and women who are those who walk by faith. And last Lord's Day, we began looking at this next um, description of God's people, blessed are the meek. And uh, we looked at various aspects of what it looks like to be meek. Um, we said that uh, the example of the Lord Jesus is the chief example of one uh, who is meek. And we see him there in the garden uh, crying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. <clears throat> As those who have tasted of the kindness of the Lord, uh, God gives us a heart that delights to follow Jesus, uh, regardless of the cost. The world says that we are fools, uh, but we rejoice to trust and obey the one who laid down his life for us. Now, each of these Beatitudes <coughs> has not only a description of various aspects of trusting in Christ, but <clears throat> blessings that attend those who are savingly joined to the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, we have considered uh, in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
uh, those who uh, uh, reach out the empty beggar's hand of faith uh, end up being blessed with a place in God's family to enter into the kingdom of heaven by being born again to a living hope. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Lord Jesus comes to us when we mourn over our own sin and seek his face in the midst of the consequences of sin all around us. Not only our own sin, but those uh, who would uh, war against Jesus in our midst, uh, whether it is on a personal scale or a national scale. Uh, there is forgiveness and the balm of Gilead being applied to our hearts in the Redeemer. The Lord Jesus is the Comforter, and all three persons of the Godhead are identified uh, by this incredible term, comfort, encourage. Uh, Jesus, uh, he is the Comforter of God's people. Uh, described here in Luke chapter 2. And God the Father is described as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And God the Holy Spirit is the other helper or comforter, paraclete, who comes uh, to comfort us in the Lord Jesus. Last Lord's Day, we began looking at what does it mean to be meek? And we saw that we are meek in terms of bowing, humbling ourselves uh, before the living God in terms of his gospel, in terms of the word of God, in terms of God's presence, in terms of God's providence. Um, we considered this whole matter uh, of being uh, one who uh, would be like a very well-trained horse, uh, easily corrected, eager to follow uh, the true and the living God. This particular phrase that we want to spend a few minutes looking at, uh, that is the promise that attends that, uh, might seem to be strange. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does that mean? What kind of promise is this? Is this a promise that God uh, gives uh, to us in this life? Um, how does he do that? Well, uh, we want to begin thinking about uh, what it means to, in the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are joined to him, uh, inherit the earth. First of all, we need to understand that because the Lord Jesus uh, has uh, come and taken on human flesh as Messiah, uh, he is the one who is the last Adam. Adam and Eve, they had been given the privilege to exercise dominion not only over the Garden of Eden, 
where God placed them, but to exercise dominion over the whole world. But because of their rebellion against the living God, they forfeited that uh, blessing. And they were cast out of the Garden of Eden, and now uh, they find themselves in need uh, of God's continual saving presence uh, in a fallen world where even though they are redeemed and clothed uh, with those symbols of the Lamb of God, those animals were killed and they were clothed with those skins of, of animals, yet now this world is a fallen world. Uh, there are thorns and thistles. Uh, there is sorrow and heartache and pain. There is sickness and death. And yet, in God's kind working, uh, there continues to be hope and life because the seed of the woman has come in the fullness of time. The God of the Bible declares to us that our lives have significance, not just in terms of our ultimate destiny, which is heaven, uh, because of his grace in Christ Jesus, but our lives have significance in this life, and the Lord gives to us in his Son the joy of, of being restored and in the Lord Jesus exercising service to the living God. We see in Hebrews chapter 2, and if you'll turn there with me, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews um, is arguing of the superiority of Christ. And uh, one of the first things that he Uh, compares Christ to in the book of Hebrews is to angels. Uh, These mighty servants of the living God uh, that were magnificent and still are, um, are nothing compared to their creator. And in Hebrews chapter 1, he labors at great length, uh, uh, pointing out that the angels worship the Son, and that the Son is indeed God, one and equal with the Father and the Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 2, he continues this theme. Uh, The angels were used to help give the scriptures in the Old Testament. And yet, uh, our Lord Jesus, uh, he is far superior And the work that the angels have done and continue to do, they are, as we read at the end of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? But compared to the angels, the Son is in his work far superior. Because the Son comes uh, as the last Adam now to restore uh, uh, his children, 
uh, his uh, uh, that the Father has given to him uh, to belong to the living God and to serve the living God. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, we read, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. And then we have a, a quote from Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower uh, while uh, lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, and that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Every time I read that verse, I marvel. Uh, what an incredible God we have that he would give his son to come and suffer in our place and that he identifies himself so with us uh, as our Redeemer uh, that he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Sweet indeed, saying, verse 12, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Here we have a quote from Psalm 22, uh, where one of the special blessings that God Almighty gives to us as his people when we uh, are able and have gathered together uh, to worship him, Jesus comes to make the Father's name known to his brethren, to his brothers and sisters. Verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. And since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This great Savior, the last Adam, the Lord Jesus comes 
and redeems us, and in him we have the joy of laboring to see this entire world retaken for the glory of God. And we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, at the end of the book of Hebrews, we have a glimpse uh, into the scope of the work that Jesus uh, has called us uh, to serve him in planting his flag uh, to see his gospel, to see the earth reclaimed for the glory of God. And if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, we have now some of the applications of the arena into which this uh, subjection uh, of, of the world and of everything around us encompasses. In Hebrews chapter 13, we see in verse 1, <clears throat> let brotherly love continue. Uh, we don't necessarily think in terms of when we love one another that uh, we are inheriting the earth. But as we're going to see, this phrase, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, is a description of God's gospel going forth and of a world that was formerly in the clutches of darkness now being reclaimed for the living God. Verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Uh, and so we have the opportunity to show hospitality to strangers, uh, to love those uh, around us uh, that we do not uh, know. In verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. Uh, here we see arenas in which uh, the uh, work of the Lord Jesus Christ to reclaim territory uh, that had been lost but now is being reclaimed. Um, verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among, among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Um, here uh, we see uh, not just uh, uh, hospitality to strangers, not just uh, reaching out to those who are in prison, uh, but the family um, being recaptured uh, uh, for the glory of God. Verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we uh, can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent 
have no right to eat. And so here he's specifically uh, putting in juxtaposition uh, those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ with the old remnant shadows of the Old Testament economy, of the temple service, of the priests that went uh, in and out. Um, And here we have this picture that Christians, uh, we have an altar. It is the Lord Jesus himself. And those who were still going through the empty motions there in Jerusalem, uh, they don't have a right to eat at our altar (coughs) because they have rejected the Redeemer. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Um, The reason I said it might seem to be a strange promise is because uh, what is this thing of inheriting the earth um, compared to heaven? Well, it's not that God is saying the earth is insignificant. What he is saying is that we are seeking the city that is to come that is coming down from heaven, that is transforming the earth. And the culmination of that will be when Jesus comes again and heaven and earth are made one. Verse 15, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so this kingdom that has been given to us that we've looked at earlier in the Beatitudes, that's the preface of all of these blessings where we see the gospel taking root in this life and the power of the gospel being brought to bear, whether it is God's people loving one another in verse 1, whether it is reaching out with the gospel to those that we do not know, whether it is uh, to visit and minister to those who are in prison, uh, whether it is to uh, see the gospel protect and build and bless families, whether it is for us to be a people who labor with our own hands and we are not uh, caught up with worldliness and greed, Uh, all of these are aspects of living in the Lord Jesus. This is what it looks like to inherit the earth. At its heart is the work of the Lord Jesus if you'll turn with me to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And here we have the picture painted for us of the nations raging against the living God 
and the kings of the earth, in verse 2, setting themselves and taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. There is open rebellion seeking to deny the truth of God's word. And what does God reveal to us in Psalm 2? It is that in history, God is at work. The Lord sits in the heavens. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. And then he speaks and terrifies them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And when the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended back up into heaven and seated at the Father's right hand, as the Apostle Peter declared in Acts chapter 2, when Messiah took his throne, uh, indeed, uh, God was fulfilling the promise uh, that David would have a descendant to sit upon his throne forever. In verse 7 of Psalm 2, the Lord Jesus speaks and testifies of what the Father promised him. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son today. I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way even if his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And you'll notice in verse 8, the father told his son, just ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance, as your possession." And here we see the ultimate promise given and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ that this world rightly belongs to God. That Satan is indeed a squatter who has no rightful claim to any square inch of this world. And that the Lord Jesus Christ is at work furthering his gospel to cause this world and everything in it to be confronted with the reality that Jesus is Lord. And they will either run to him kissing the Son and serving the Lord with fear, or they will ultimately be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. It is this aspect of the world being retaken for the glory of God that is in view in this 
promise, this beatitude, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those who are trusting in Jesus have the joy and the privilege of participating in seeing this world retaken for the glory of God. Now, we are a people who walk and live by faith, just like God promised Abraham that he would give him the promised land. And 430 years later was when that promise was fulfilled. By the end of Abraham's life, he owned only but a small, small, small little parcel of land, the field of Machpelah, that he had purchased to bury his beloved Sarah. But Abraham was a man who walked by faith, and he understood that God had promised that this world rightly belonged to God and to those who were joined to Messiah, and that Messiah in the fullness of time, was going to come and accomplish this mighty work. In Holy Scripture, the Lord gives to us a number of interesting temporal promises. And this is not some kind of name-it-claim-it scheme uh, that we are, are looking at, but God does. Uh, promise temporal blessings. They are not absolute. They are not always given. But let's just look at a few of them. And then we'll look at, well, what about those cases where we don't see temporal blessing? First of all, turn with me in the book of Ephesians. And we have... Uh, a, a, a promise that is attached to the fifth commandment in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Um, here is <clears throat> a promise that is attached to uh, a temporal blessing. Uh, it includes a temporal blessing. Now, obviously, this is not uh, something that is uh, a, a, a always the case in every particular. It is a general promise. And perhaps the most uh, uh, significant exception to this promise uh, would be the Lord Jesus himself. The Lord Jesus who perfectly obeyed uh, his heavenly father and perfectly obeyed uh, his mother and his adopted uh, father, Joseph. Uh, he uh, was cut down uh, at a, a little over 33 years of age. John the Baptist, another example. Stephen, another example. Um, but generally, God promises that those 
uh, who are trusting in his son. And a general promise to children uh, that when you give yourself to honor your parents, God smiles upon you and blesses you with temporal blessings. That's a general promise. Another uh, temporal uh, promise that God records for us is over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And here we see um, the encounter of the rich ruler with the Lord Jesus in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. And so here we see the Lord Jesus pointing to this fact that generally those who trust and obey Jesus, God not only promises the ultimate blessing of heaven, which all of God's people will enjoy in the fullness in God's good times, and when that takes place, earth and heaven will be made one, and in a very real sense, we will inherit the earth in its fullness, in a, a perfection, the way God intended this world to be, without sin, without brokenness, without sickness, without death, uh, to leap for joy, serving and loving the living God one with another in his presence forever and ever, when heaven and earth are made one. But even in this life, God gives to us a taste. And we see Jesus telling that generally those who have turned their back on the world and sacrificed everything for Jesus, even in this life, generally, God showers upon us blessings and we use them for the glory of God. We enjoy serving the Lord with all that we are entrusted with. And so in that sense, 
We are those who have a taste of heaven, and we are seeking to use our gifts, our calling, our possessions as stewards uh, to further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and if you'll turn back to the book of Ephesians, here we have, again, a reference to this matter of dominion and work, that when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, God uh, generally blesses the labors of our hands, and we are able to gain wealth, possessions, but we don't view them as the goal of life. As the first catechism says, the chief end of man <coughs> is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Uh, these are temporal blessings that God showers upon us. This is what it looks like to inherit the earth. Uh, we are furthering the gospel, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes our labors uh, end up being like we see in the book of Job, where Job ends up losing everything temporally uh, that he had originally had to possess. And he is sitting in great distress uh, he, his family, all of his children have died, and all of his wealth and possessions are gone. But he continues, even though he struggled uh, uh, very, very much, uh, yet he continued to cling uh, to the Christ. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God gives to us that portion of possessions uh, that he deems uh, is good for his glory and our ultimate good. Now we want to look at a couple of psalms uh, in closing because I think they are very helpful for us to understand that we are called to walk by faith. And if you give yourself to the Lord Jesus, he promises that he will take care of his people. He doesn't always give us what we want. Uh, he promises to give us what we need in his own good time. These two Psalms, Psalm 73 and Psalm 37, and we want to look at Psalm 37 first. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 37 of David, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Uh, befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And so here we have now, uh, this call uh, uh, for the people of God to uh, take heed uh, that even though the wicked may appear to be the ones who are inheriting the earth, God says, you keep, uh, by the grace of God, being meek. Keep trusting in Jesus. And in his good time, you will see how God deals with the wicked, even in history. He's going to serve up uh, uh, the uh, a taste of either heaven to his people or hell to those who are warring against Jesus and refuse <coughs> to love and serve the living God. Evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Now, like Abraham... We may labor our whole life and see very little uh, of, of the kingdom of God advancing. Uh, we may see uh, little effort uh, uh, blessed uh, to our eyes. Uh, but God promises uh, that those who give themselves to Jesus will be blessed. And we have the joy of knowing that if we are investing our lives trusting in Jesus, uh, that we and our children by God's grace and our grandchildren by the grace of God will be blessed and have the joy of taking part in seeing the gospel retake territory, homes and businesses and communities for the glory of God. In verse 10, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. And so I hope you can see how... Uh, this promise that Jesus gives to us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It, it is not, as we said earlier, some uh, uh, cheap uh, uh, counterfeit scheme uh, like false teachers in our day and time uh, under the banner of, of name it, claim it. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus, and God promises to bless. Now, his blessings sometimes come in uh, strange packages, and sometimes he would call us to walk uh, as uh, John the Baptist did and Stephen did, or as Job did for a time, or as Joseph, the servant of the Lord, recorded in Genesis, uh, where Joseph 
uh, languished in a very uh, 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 low condition uh, for much of his life. Uh, And yet God was at work. And in the end, indeed, uh, Joseph inherited the land. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we invest ourselves in Jesus and his kingdom. In verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. It, it, it looks many times like the Christians uh, have the short end of the deal. It looks like the Christians uh, are the ones who are not prospering, who are not inheriting. Verse 15, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. What a picture. You know, you have a, have a, a fire in the fireplace and you have smoke uh, coming out of the chimney. How long does the smoke last? You know, even on a day like today, uh, when the smoke kind of uh, hangs around, uh, just keep watching. Uh, in just a, a short amount of time, the smoke is gone. And that's what God says about the wicked. <clears throat> Verse 21, the wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives, for those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. But those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. This passage uh, specifies this as it doesn't mean uh, that a a Christian, a child of God, has some kind of Teflon coating uh, on you and trouble cannot uh, stick to you. You know, it just bounces off of you. No, Uh, But even in the midst of all of the difficulties and the struggles and the heartaches, God is at work and he's keeping and holding on to his people and he is prospering us by God's definition of prosper. He is using us to further his gospel to cause the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be spread. In verse 25, I've been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. That's the grace of God. Uh, For us to be giving, investing uh, in Jesus and his kingdom, uh, serving those around us in our own homes, in our church family, People at work, uh, reaching out uh, with the gospel, with the confidence that Jesus, he is going to reclaim the territory that Satan says, it's mine. 
But Jesus says, no, this world belongs to God and everything in it. It is rightfully mine. Verse 27, turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Do you see how many times in this psalm he keeps coming back to not just that we will have the blessing of heaven, yes, and the ultimate fulfillment when earth and heaven are made one, but even in this life, God says, you just keep giving yourself to the Lord Jesus. Uh, It it may be 70 years. It may be 400 years. But God is at work. We walk by faith. The righteous shall inherit the land and shall dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. That's what it looks like to be meek. Trust and obey Jesus. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I've seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. Now, this, the, 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 the Hebrew here is kind of funny. It, it has the picture of a native tree. <clears throat> Whatever trees are, are unique to that particular place. And he says, I've seen a wicked man like a, a, a tree that just grows uh, in that particular climate. The native tree. But he passed away. And behold, he was no more. And Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and uphold the upright, for there is a future for, that, for, the, for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. And so as we close, uh, I want to uh, encourage you to remember we're going to look at two two verses. Uh, One in Hebrews chapter 12. The writer of the book of Hebrews, in verse 28, he says, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God is shaking this world. And whatever is opposed to God, it cannot stand. You know, recently there have been a number of earthquakes in various places in the world, and it is just a, a, a horrifying thing to look at buildings 
um, when there's a, a very, very powerful earthquake. And it, it's just a pile of rubble. It, it just crumbles and falls. And God calls upon us to be a people who continue to trust and obey Jesus because God says this world rightly belongs to his son. And God says, you just keep watching and you will see how God is going to either convert that enemy and that Saul of Tarsus who is on his way uh, to arrest and persecute and participate in the execution of Christians is made even a lover and follower of Jesus or he will make that enemy of Christ like King Herod a trophy of his wrath. But God is at work. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The last verse is the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15. And we are reminded that we have a living Savior in 1 Corinthians 15. This whole chapter just uh, reminding us that uh, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is an historical fact that was witnessed by just uh, hundreds of people, the risen Christ, and that it was in fulfillment of the Old Testament promises that God had made. And then the implications of that, that because we have a living Savior, we're no longer a people who are under uh, the guilt and power of sin, that we are a redeemed people. And that we're a people of hope because Jesus is going to come again and he's going to utter his powerful voice and we will be raised from the dead. Um, he is going to end history uh, with the shout, with the trumpet sound. And then death will be swallowed up in victory. And there is victory in Jesus and so notice the take-home message, the application that God gives us in this verse. Look at ver the chapter. Look at verse 58, the very last verse of the chapter. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the day will come when we will, from the vantage point of heaven, uh, if we die before Jesus comes again, uh, have the joy of seeing from the vantage point of heaven. Uh, indeed, God is at work. Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. That's what the angels were singing in the throne room in Isaiah 6. And ultimately, uh, Jesus is going to come and end history, and heaven and earth will be made one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We press on. Amen. Let's pray. Father, 
Thank you that you call us to be those who trust and obey the Lord Jesus. Father, we confess to you at times we grow weary and discouraged thinking that our labors in our own hearts to stand against evil uh, are, are, are just coming to nothing. Uh, Lord, at times we are discouraged in our homes, in our callings. Uh, Lord, as we look at the state of the church as a whole in our country, uh, we could be discouraged, Lord. Uh, we could be discouraged as we look at the state of this country. Uh, Father, how we thank you for uh, this verse in Matthew chapter 5 where you tell us that we are blessed uh, if by your grace we are meek. Of those who are giving ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, and you remind us uh, that uh, we are those who in you, Lord Jesus, inherit the earth. We have a taste of it now. We walk by faith and we give ourselves anew to you. Uh, Lord, it is our desire by your grace to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We praise you and rejoice that this is your world and that Lord Jesus, uh, the Father, said, just ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. In Jesus we pray, amen.